Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Calm Box Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Combox Feeds. At Combox Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. 
ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, we've got Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. She's a poultry scientist and professor at Delaware State University, and uh, she's going to be joining us today, teaching us how to uh, select uh, slash identify our best layers in our backyard. And uh so you can decide, hey, which ones do I want to uh, keep, which ones are earning their keep, which ones aren't earning their keep, and, and why aren't they earning their keep, why aren't they laying. Just uh, some really good and valuable information for us that have our backyard poultry, because sometimes it may be difficult to tell. She's going to let us know uh, which ones are laying the best and which ones are not laying so hot and which ones may be not laying at all. Yeah, freeloaders. <laughs> Eating all that great organic Kalmbach feed, but you're not providing me with any eggs? Off with your head. <laughs> so, a uh, stew pot for you. Oh, me. So, uh, but yeah, we got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, I'm still working on, because I want to make sure everything is uh, I's dotted, T's crossed, on the new Salmonella monitored program within PIP uh, slash story. So I'm trying to get that all together so I can post it. Um, this is something you won't hear uh, from the bloggers because it doesn't have to do with coffee or herbs, uh, but it has to do with, you know, making sure that uh, you get uh, good quality and healthy birds. So um, I want to make sure that it has all the information available to you. But basically, uh, anybody can participate in this. It is voluntary uh, to participate in the new uh, Salmonella Monitor program. 
Uh, and we're hoping that a lot of the mail order hatcheries will participate in this new voluntary program. And it, it actually tests every 30 days uh, for one or more, uh, in, in recent cases it's more, uh, strains of salmonella that may affect humans, not just salmonella that affects the chickens, but, but other cases and types of salmonella that may affect us. So uh, we're getting all that information together, We, uh, I am, <laughs> and uh, um, CDC has been a big help, uh, and uh, the head of the uh, um, MPIP, I've talked with her a couple of times this week. Uh, she's been on the radio show. She's written articles for the Chicken Whisperer magazine. Great relationship with her. Very nice young lady, Dr. Denise. And um, getting all that information, including a, a, not a, a huge list, because you can go and do your own lead work at the MPIP website, but a list of some of the more major um, hatcheries that are participating in this new uh, program. They call it Salmonella Monitored. Um, and this is salmonella strains that affect humans, not just the uh, the old long-time stand-in uh, MPIP uh, um, participation of the salmonella pylorum. And also, just to correct this, and I fell into this trap as well, so I'm, I'm raising my hand just as guilty, that, uh, and, and I'm just starting to correct people because I had to correct myself. This is coming from the top of MPIP. Uh, there's no MPIP certification. You're not certified squat. Um, you may participate in the MPIP program. Your birds are tested for these things, uh, but you're not certified diddly. Uh, so uh, when I see folks say, oh, yeah, I'm MPIP certified. No, you're not. And it shocks them for a minute. What do you mean? No, I have my certificate. No, you're not certified for anything. Because the MPIP does not certify. There's no certification. Um, it just shows that you um, are participating voluntarily in this program that tests for these things uh, and that you're negative with these things that you can show you've tested for. But you're not certified for anything. So uh, I fell into that trap as well. And... Uh, um, just trying to uh, spread the word and share, again, fact-based science, based study-based information so we get it right. So uh, I'll be, uh, you may hear me share with that. And, but hopefully in the next couple of days, I'll be able to uh, get that uh, together and, and post it about the new, the new program. I think it uh, would behoove you, as Peter Brown often says, to be familiar with that. And when you're going to buy birds, ask them, uh, do you participate in the new MPIP Salmonella Monitor Program? Okay, if they don't, Ask them why not. Well, why not? Don't, don't you care about me, your customer? Don't you care that you want to do everything you can to eliminate the uh, chance of salmonella infecting me and my family or my you know, chickens, getting me safe chickens? So um, you can uh, put the pressure on those hatcheries that are not if you order from them. And I try to get them to sign on to this because in the long run, it's going to benefit everybody. All right, let's get over here to the phone lines. We've got uh, Dr. McRae that has uh, called in. Great topic today again. She's going to be sharing with us how to select slash identify our best layers that happen to be out back and uh, providing us for those wonderful fresh eggs. Dr. McRae, welcome to the show today. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Good. Now, I got your email, and I believe it said you failed to receive the last hard copy, I think, of the issue, uh, yeah. which would have been this the summer issue, and uh, so I'll try to uh, get you one of those hey, sent thanks. out, and then, um, oh, and actually the your newest article that you've written, I'm just now, last night and this morning, started to receive them back for fact-checking, wow. so I'll get that to you. Uh, yeah, they were working around vacation. They had two or three different uh, editors and, and 
people uh, at the publisher that were on vacation. They were trying to work around each one of them. So there was a little bit of delay, but I'm just now starting to get some of those back last night and this morning. And I'll check and see if yours was on the list and email that over to you for a good review. Thank you. You bet. And today you're going to help us uh, identify those layers in our backyard that may be um, freeloaders that are eating all this wonderful Kambach organic feed <laughs> and that are, that are not providing and they're not following through with their duties. So um, off with their heads. Stew pot for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, I think we covered this about a year or so ago, but it's always good. We have new listeners and new fans all the time and to, 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 to teach about that. I think the old school rule was to uh, you know, pick, up your, uh, pick up your hand, and if the distance between the pelvic bones are about, if you put your three fingers together, your middle finger, your index finger, and, the, and your, I guess, your ring finger, uh, and, and feel if there's about that much room between the pelvic bones, that that's probably a layer. Um, and if there's not, then that's probably not a layer. And I know that's been going around for years uh, as just general rule of thumb, but I know you get a lot more technical on that and give us so much more information about uh, figuring out who's laying and not, and the, the definitive, are these are healthier birds or the ones not laying and not as healthy and why? Uh, it was a fascinating show last time I remember when we covered this, and I'm ready to refresh my memory, and I'm sure a lot of new listeners are wanting to know uh, for the first time how they can identify the good layers in their backyard. Well, you're exactly right, Andy. There are chickens out there in your yard where sometimes they're freeloading or maybe all <laughs> of a sudden you realize you're not getting the same number of eggs you were previously and you need to figure out why because um, either they're not earning their keep or you might have a problem mm -hmm. and you need to figure out why is this bird not laying or why is that bird not laying. And one of the first things you can do is just look at your birds. Yes, I know. A lot of your listeners, Andy, they look at their birds every day. But it's your time to be critical and, and critically assess your laying hens. Sometimes you can just tell visually who is laying and who is not. Depending on the amount of time that a hen has or has not been in lay, there are certain physical characteristics about her that change. Uh, huh. Birds that are really good layers um, have higher levels of hormones coursing through their body on a daily basis. They may have a, a bigger or redder comb or hmm. even wattles. Um, okay. they, they will have bright eyes. So sometimes when I'm heading out to the, the flock here at Delaware State University and I have to go grab some birds for a contest or a teaching moment, I want to grab some good birds and I want to grab some bad birds. And all I have to do is walk inside the door and look for, for the good birds. I want to look for, a, uh, if I'm working with the single comb white leghorns, I want a bird with a big red comb, preferably one that is flopped over to one side because that's a breed characteristic for leghorns. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want a big red fleshy comb, bright eyes, wattles, um, big red wattles. And so I can just walk in there and I know exactly who I'm going after. And of course, once I lock eyes with that chicken, that chicken's like, I gotta get away! And yeah, they know tag they're it. <laughs> Then I have to go find a candidate who shows poor laying capacity, or maybe she's even stopped laying, sometimes for a little bit of time, sometimes for a longer amount of time. And I'm going to look for a hen that has a pale, shriveled 
comb, uh, maybe that looks like it's it's kind of flaky, uh, has a little white flakiness on it. She's not having as many hormones coursing through her body. Maybe she hasn't laid quite as long if she's just started laying. Or maybe she's just gone out of lay and is molting or might be sick. Those are some some things for you to look at. Um, and And most of your listeners, Andy, they're going to see these changes over the course of the year as their flocks age year after year after year. They're mm-hmm. going to see that eventually their good old girls may not get that big bright red comb anymore, and their their combs may stay small and pale as they as they fail to lay in their later years of life. Another thing that you can tell visually with certain breeds, particularly the breeds that are known for high um, lay. So mm-hmm. the the single comb white leghorn and the sex link brown egg layers. Those birds, when they're young, they have a lot of yellow pigment in their skin. Where can you see the skin? Well, right around the face and the beak and and the legs. That's mostly mm-hmm. where you can see the skin. And so when I walk into the coop, if if they're all pretty much the same amount of lay. Um, as far as, you know, maybe all of them have the same size comb, and I'm sitting there going, okay, now I have to go to phase two. I need to find a good candidate and a not-so-good candidate. And if they're well-spaced out, I can see everybody's legs, and the bird that has almost no yellow left in her legs has been putting the yellow into egg yolks. So she's been Hmm. spending her time laying lots and lots and lots and lots of eggs. So the yellow pigment from the diet that would normally end up in her body gets transferred instead to that that bright yellow or bright orange egg yolk. In some cases, some of your listeners have, have breeds that lay darker colored eggs, uh, whether it be from access to grass or the diet that's provided. But you can tell a girl who has has laid lots and lots of eggs, if when she was younger she had yellow legs and now they're white, that's a good layer. Um, they also lose their pigment in their face, um, particularly their beak. It may have been yellow when they were younger, but it's no longer yellow. It's white. So there's actually a very specific order where they lose uh, their their pigment. What's your question? When when now when they when they get to non-laying age um, and they go through menopause and and aren't laying anymore not very often does that color come back or does Usually. that just, they, they will, okay i didn't know if like once they get that age that color it's just gone and, and they don't they may not get those Usually yellow they're, legs if they're not and, putting the color into their egg yolks they're they're keeping mm-hmm. it in their bodies Okay. Um, and and reminding your listeners that these are for the breeds that have been selected for these attributes. If you have a black Sumatra hen, well, those legs are going to be black. <laughs> You're not going to be yeah. able to see these things in that breed. Or if you have a feather-legged breed, yeah, good luck having fun trying to figure out what color that is from a distance. You're going to have to catch that bird up and see you know, probably do more the physical manipulations rather than the visualizations that I'm talking about first. I'm going with the easy stuff first because that's actually one of the orders that we tell children to start with 
when selecting their best birds. Now, in states like, say, Alabama, where they have the chick chain program, where they give kids like 15 to 18 chicks and they have to raise them Mm -hmm. up, and at the end of the year they go to their regional event with their top three birds and compete with them and auction off the the birds to to support the chick chain program, which is free. Um, They get to keep the rest of their birds, but they're bringing their best candidates so that they can win awards and prizes and show that they've got top birds. And, you know, one of the things they're doing is they're going out there and they're taking a look at their birds. Are they in lay? Are they um, producing a good number of eggs? And also, do they look true to form for their breed? You know, they they don't want to select a bird that's limping or a bird that maybe has a kinked back or something like that, which which sometimes can happen, not... Um, not every bird that that is hatches ends up being a perfect specimen. So when you're looking at your birds, you can tell a chicken that has um, laid for about two weeks is going to lose the yellowness that surrounds their vent. And that's usually about 10 eggs. After that, they start to lose their their color, their yellow color around their eye ring. That's two to two and a mm-hmm. half weeks. Um, then there goes their earlobe. Now that's really only for the leghorn because they have white earlobes and the sex-linked brown egg layers have red-colored earlobes, which we know tends to indicate for the um, the rule of thumb, if uh, certain breeds, this is true, if you have a white earlobe, the breed lays a white-shelled egg. If it's a red earlobe, it's a brown-shelled egg. Now, there are certain breeds that break that earlobe rule, but um, that's another uh, another peculiarity with certain breeds, and you got to know your breeds to know the rule. But if you have a leghorn, it's going to start to lose the yellow in its earlobe at about two and a half to three weeks. Then, starting at the base of the beak and working its way towards the tip of the beak, they're going to start to lose their color first at the base of the beak close to their their nose and then it's going to bleach its way out to the tip of the beak so that takes about two weeks so everywhere anywhere from Mm -hmm. like three weeks of laying to five weeks of laying you know if you start to see that that beak turn white but the rest of the body is still um still yellow then you know that bird's laid you know 20 to 25 eggs and we'll see that as soon as they start laying at around, say, 20 to 25 weeks. They start laying, uh, and we should be able, to, uh, be able to see these changes after so many, right. two, three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, the entire beak will take about two months for them okay. to, to get, you know, from the very first day to the beak's completely done. It'll It'll take anywhere from five to eight weeks to get that totally done. Um, Then the next thing that turns white is the bottom of the foot. I know, seems strange, but that's just the way it is, and we figured that out. That can take another month uh, for that to turn white from yellow to white. After that, the shank will turn white, Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, the part of the leg, the main part of the leg that the the middle of the leg that you can see, that's anywhere from 12 to 20 weeks of laying, and so that takes a bit longer. And a bird that is your best layer, 
should have even the tops of the toes white as well as the hawk, which is, you know, you'll have to probably lift up some of the feathers around where the scales meet the, the top of the leg and where the feathers kind of reach down and cover it and see if that has turned white as well. The, the hawk and the top of toes are the last to turn white, and sometimes those big scales right where the shank meets the middle toe, some of those mm-hmm. never ever turn completely white they they kind of um they just kind of stay stained and that's just one thing that certain birds do and and that doesn't mean she's a horrible layer but but you should know that she is you know she's almost bleached throughout and so when a bird loses all that pigment um it's called pigment loss it's also called bleaching and that's that's one of the terms that you, your young people should learn to use with confidence is a bird that's bleached throughout is a very good layer. Hey, let me ask you this, Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may be getting to this. It just popped into my head talking about these different colors. Do these changes with, with the colors of the legs around the face, the bright comb and, and things like that, do, do these do the roosters seem to find that more attractive when they start laying? Is it, is it wow, or she's going through the change, or you know, that, that, is there any studies that is there any studies that show that this may or may increase or decrease the attractiveness of That's the? A really uh, good and we know question. with the roosters and saying, you know, uh, based on his favorite, because we know roosters have their favorites, and I just didn't know if you knew of any studies that show that um, that that color change may attract the rooster more and so you get better fertilized eggs for those good layers. I don't know. I just something to throw out there. <laughs> well there's a couple things to consider. Um first and foremost, these are commercial birds, so they don't tend to see a rooster. The only time you gotcha. would see roosters in a commercial system is if it were a breeder flock. Breeder. So if you were mm-hmm. if you had roosters and hens um, in a house together producing fertile eggs so that you could hatch out chicks that would then become your laying hens and lay you lots of eggs for the grocery store, um, then but, you might consider that. And, yes, there are researchers who study nothing but that system and their behaviors. And, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm just not well-versed enough in that particular sure. area. Um, but even though, but in the, even in though you the, said... I'm sorry, go ahead. Even though these, you, you clarify that, you know, the the dealing with the rooster attraction and whatnot that these are commercial layers in our backyard flock we would st- still see some of these changes you're talking about right it's right. not just you got got it okay just want to make clarify for our listeners okay. and you're in the in the wild a hen mm-hmm. might only lay say five eggs and then she'll go nest mm-hmm. so as She's making, you know, as her body is going through these changes to accommodate the production of eggs, that's when her hormones kick in. And she actually has a lot of power in the selectivity of what males she breeds with. Um, But there are, of course, considerations on the male end. But the males look the way they do because females select for those those traits and chose to breed Mm -hmm. with them. So uh, I can't recall specifically what roosters were looking for. Gosh, it's been a couple dozen years since I, I've um, read those in, 
bits of information, but they are out there. When you look at research papers on red jungle fowl and female preference and male preference, those are some of the mm -hmm. key terms. Um, so, and and the only other time this would come into play uh, might be if you had, like, say, broiler breeders. That's that's another thing. You you don't look at broiler breeder hens quite the same way as you would um, leghorn hens. They're just built differently. There are some things that are still cross boundaries. You you want a a vigorous producer of eggs, but. Um, Broiler breeder hens do not produce near the number of eggs as, say, leghorn hens. Uh, it's it's a completely different realm of science, and and it, it really is science, Andy. It's it's if you want to mm -hmm. go into broiler breeders, that's going to be a completely career, completely different career path from um, egg layers, um, or even broiler chickens or turkeys, that sort of thing. So. Going back to um, bleaching on the body parts, um, you know, there are hens that stop laying before they bleach out all of their body parts. Like, say, a hen that is bleached throughout, through the hocks and top of toes, she may have laid 100 and maybe 180 eggs. And um, versus the hen next to her, she may have only laid mm, 100 eggs. Which one do you want to keep? Well, you want to keep the birds and pay the feed bill for the birds that lay you the most eggs. And yes, you can put the non-producing hens or the hens that quit early or, or molt and take their sweet time molting and, and kind of stretch out that process. You may, you know, want to sell them or uh, perhaps give them to a younger family member and say, here, you can work with these birds. You can, you know, use it for your school um, science fair project, and you can focus on your birds instead and um, and do whatever you'd like with your really good producers, whether it's switching their feed over or trying some new egg recipes, whatever you want to do. But you want to focus on um, a, a bird that looks like she is putting all of that food energy into laying you plenty of eggs, regardless of um, the weather, um, whether or not she has pretty feathers, because I have a hard time getting this point across to my 4-H members, and it was something that really hit home this year in the Delaware State Fair, because um, those who were paying attention really did notice it. A hen that looks good all the time is putting energy into looking good all the time. If she's always got a fresh pair of, of feathers on and she looks perfect and her feathers don't look ratty-tatty at all, she's probably not giving you as many eggs as you would like. Versus a bird that, um, you know, takes the time to lay you plenty of eggs and then she very quickly goes through a molt, puts on some new feathers, and then starts laying again. That's the bird that you want. And this, this whole system of bleaching and measuring and molt analysis came about because before we were raising chickens for meat, Andy, we were really focusing on chickens for eggs in this country. Mm -hmm. Everybody right. had a flock of leghorns. Just about everybody, you know, if it wasn't a leghorn, it was um, some other dual-purpose bird, 
um, probably laying brown-shelled eggs. And you, you know, people were strapped for cash. They wanted chickens that did the job with the feeds that they could provide them. And you got rid of the non-starters. You got rid of the birds that were just wasting your time and your valuable money. Now, I fully realize your listeners don't necessarily have the same point of view, but you might also have listeners out there who are like, yes, I I need my birds to produce. This is a food source for me and my family. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. are as sustainable as sustainable gets, and we're serious about this. Yeah, a lot lot of them do take that attitude of, hey, look, I'm buying... 50 pound bag of feed for, you know, 50 pound bag of feed for 15 bucks. By golly, I'm going to get my eggs. <laughs> or, or they're going organic feed and it's maybe 25 pound, uh, 25 pound bag for, for, um, $40. about the same <laughs> amount of money. You who may need to get real serious with what hands, you know, yeah, they can, they can lay you blue green colored eggshells, but that doesn't, you know, if you're only getting one egg every three days versus every day, or thereabouts, yeah, that's that's a problem. Um, now, not everybody out there is in this for making a profit, but you know, I'm going to tell you the order regardless, so that you can you can check your birds out. Now, say all your birds, you know, they have um, same level of of health and vigor with regard to their comb and wattles, and they're all bleached to the same amount. How are you going to split them apart then? Maybe you bought 15 birds, but your coop can only handle 10, and they're starting to tear at each other. Which ones do you give to your neighbor or sell or eat? Mm -hmm. All right? So they all are bleached the same. What do you break them on next? Well, handling qualities. This is a tough one for most everybody. Uh, handling qualities is going to require you to tuck your chicken like a football and stare at its rear end. But it's going to be a real tough measuring stick, and, and the same person has to do it. Um, so you usually have someone holding two chickens, and if you got more people out there who hold chickens, great. One person comes along. What they're going to do is they're going to pinch and roll the skin below the vent. Now, if it's hard and tight... That's a bird that's got a lot of fat back there, and she hasn't been producing as many eggs. If it's um, plump and flexible back there, then that's a bird that's laid lots of eggs, and that skin should be soft and pliable. Um, And another thing you can do is on either side of the vent are two pubic bones. Um, And this this is tough, so you're going to have to pinch and roll the skin around those pubic bones. And a pubic bone for a really good layer should be sharp and pointed with a tiny amount of flexibility. And you don't want to take that pubic bone and harangue it to the left and harangue it to the right because still they're bones and you don't want to break them. So you, you pinch and roll the skin back there and then you feel the shape of those bones on either side of the vent. And if they're if they're not sharp and pointed, if they're dull and curved inward toward the vent, that's a bird that hasn't laid as many eggs. Because remember, Andy, a lot of that calcium that goes into the eggshell that she lays every day comes from her bones. So a really mm-hmm. good laying hen is going to 
give up for a long period of time um, having really strong, heavy bones. Eventually, she's she's going to stop laying and she's going to replenish the calcium in her bones by going into a molt, but your really good layers are going to wait. They're going to live with ratty-tatty feathers. They're going to be totally bleached out, and they're going to have pointed and sharp pubic bones with a soft and flexible abdomen. Now here's where the measurements come in. Now every kid I know goes straight for the measurements because it seems like it's something that's much more quantifiable. And they make the mistake of going to report that first. Well, no, that is the third thing you're looking at. First is bleaching. Second is handling qualities. And third is abdominal capacity. And this year at the fair, there were birds that uh, were pretty comparable on bleaching and they were actually broken on handling qualities and then abdominal capacity. And there might have even been one that went to the last quality factor, which is molting, but we'll get there in just a moment. Let's focus on abdominal capacity. So birds that... Um, Birds that have been laying lots of eggs have a bigger spread between their bones. They've been pushing more eggs through. They've been laying longer. They've been laying um, larger eggs. And one of the first measurements you do, the first measurement in the spread that you give is the width between the two pubic bones which means in part you're going to probably be covering up their vents. So um, just know that you can go wash your hands later. Uh, you just need to take care of this uh, particular measurement now. The second measurement is the distance or the number of fingers you can fit sideways between the two pubic bones all the way down to where the back of the keel bone sits. And depending on who's holding the chicken, they may have covered that up with their fingers. You need to ask them to move their fingers so that you can go ahead and feel the back of that pubic bone. So those two things really are a an upside-down triangle with, the, flat, um, with the, the triangle pointing downwards with the, the tip being at the keel bone. So that sideways measurement is the second number. So if a chicken is one by one, in their spread, that means you can fit one finger between the pubic bones and one finger for the depth of abdomen. If a chicken is three by four, now that's a good chicken. You can fit three fingers between the two pubic bones and four fingers in the depth of abdomen. Even in poultry showmanship, that's one of the measurements that you make um, in 4-H poultry showmanship. So uh, it's one of those key principles that you need to know when your birds are in laying. So if a whole bunch of your birds have stopped laying, you know, and it's not obvious that they're molting, you may just want to, you know, take a look at their bleaching, feel their handling qualities, and if you have to go to measuring their abdominal capacity, then go ahead and, and get someone to help you by holding those chickens and you can see who stopped laying. As a hen stops laying, she starts to tighten back up and you get fewer and fewer fingers back there. 
And with really good layers, well, this can happen very quickly. Um, at one competition where I was taking oral reasons for the poultry judging contest, the birds threw themselves into a molt simply because of the stress of the drive. And their abdominal capacity changed between the time they were delivered to the fairgrounds the evening before and what the kids were feeling on the birds the next morning. Mm -hmm. So they can tighten down pretty quick. That's why we use some of the longer-term measurements before we come to abdominal capacity when measuring because, you know, if a bird gets stressed out and stops laying, then sometimes they can change rather quickly. <laughs> All right, so one of the last things you need to consider is the dressing gown that your chickens are wearing. Pretty chickens don't lay lots of eggs, like I said. It's the old scroungy gals that seem to be your old go-to egg layers. They're taking the time to put their energy into giving you eggs, and they're the keepers. So, you know, molting is something that uh, is the last to be considered. Um, the feather condition, you know, in the shedding or molting of feathers, easiest way for you to tell that's going on is to take a look at the wings. Um, the primary feathers are what you're going to be looking at, and the primary feathers on the wings are the ones that are closest to the tip. They actually get folded up underneath the secondary feathers when the chicken's wing is all folded up. So in between the primary feathers and the secondary feathers on the wing you have a tiny little feather called an axial feather. And you start counting primary feathers from the axial feather out towards the tip with closer to the axial feather being your number one. And there should be 10 feathers, 10 primary feathers on your chickens. Watch, everyone's going to go out there and count primary feathers tonight, Andy, after listening <laughs> to the show. Does my chicken have 10 primary feathers? Oh, dear. So if she is molting, she's going to start with that number one feather, which is next to the axial feather, and then she's going to drop her number two feather, then she'll drop her number three feather, then her four, then her five. And after she drops those feathers, she's going to start pushing out a new feather. So you can tell a chicken that is laying, uh, laying, uh, or molting, I'm sorry, um, as you'll see, bright, shiny new feathers growing in towards the center of the feather, whereas towards the tip of the wing, it kind of looks a little ratty-tatty. And so you may see a hierarchy, a gradual hierarchy of feather sizes moving towards the tip with, you know, your number one feather either being replaced or growing back in next to your number two, three, four, five, six feather. And, yeah, it's you're, you're going to have some old feathers. You're going to have some new feathers. So a bird that has molted more of her feathers, so closer to 10 feathers or closer to 8 feathers or 7 feathers, a bird that's molted more has laid less. She's not as good of a keeper. So if your chickens were all the same on bleaching, all the same on handling quality, and exactly the same on abdominal capacity, and maybe you saw some differences in the molt pattern, 
The bird that had 10 raggedy, awful-looking feathers is your best bird. A bird that has perfect, brand-new, gorgeous feathers is your worst bird. And a bird that has um, molted a fewer number of feathers is your better bird, if you had some a bird somewhere in between that you had to choose. So um, those are things to consider. Um, of course, after that, you're going to take, you know, if they were all the same, then I would say, yeah, kudos. Look for other problems like, say, bumblefoot or coughing or, or um, you know, if, if she was an egg eater, something else that would be part of your consideration process. And there's a really cool new program out there that I am so excited to tell you about, Andy. One of my coworkers at um, University of Kentucky, she put out a, and this is something she did years ago, but um, very few people still have it. It's really hard to find, but they created a new one, um, is a training module. And it's for all parts of the poultry judging contest, not just the laying hens. It even talks about how to do a really good recitation because in this contest, in the 4-H and FFA contest, one of the key components is not only are you adept at selecting the best birds, but can you clearly make a decision and defend it? So it's not just a, you know, hey, let's go have fun and hug a chicken. It's preparing kids for life skills. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to um, share with you that that module is out there now. Now, there's a section on egg grading, and that may be of interest to your listeners, Andy, simply because some of them sell their eggs, or at least they want to know how to pick out their best eggs, maybe as a gift mm-hmm. or one reason or another. Um I'm going to send the, I'm going to forward this to you Andy and you can you can put the link out and blast it to your constituents um but it's uh it's the um it's for PCs only and it's uh through University of Kentucky. It's $50 for this CD. It teaches and trains you with all the different um ways to judge these things are and then it tests you which is kind of nice. <laughs> so that, Coming from you know, a professor, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, you know, a kid gets sick and they can't make it to a training meeting. Well, you hand them the CD and say, study the section on eggs. And you know they're going to be good to go. Um, and that, yeah, I found out <laughs> the hard way on my computer that my screen wasn't as clean as I would like because I kept marking the eggs down and getting it wrong. Well, the pictures of the eggs were perfect. It was my computer screen that was dirty, and I had to go clean my computer screen. <laughs> so when you're doing this, folks, and you're looking at the eggs, make sure your computer screen is perfectly clean. <laughs> so awesome. I, I just sent that your direction. Um, okay, I'm going to take so that, a commercial that, break. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll take a commercial break, but I just want you sent me something. I sent you over your article uh, as well for your review. So we'll get back to that in, uh, and when, when, when you finish reading that. Hey, folks, we're talking with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D. We're talking about how really to select our best layers, the ones in our backyard, or identify our best layers. Fascinating topic. It always is. 
and we'll return. There's more to come when we return after this short break. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensi.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. 
visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Talking again with um, poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. We're talking about and have been talking about uh, choosing the best layers or identifying the best layers in our backyard. Let's bring her back live here. And and just a quick note, I, I noticed that awesome-looking cake that you posted uh, earlier uh, of that chicken and the, and the uh uh, little baby chicks that that I need a knife that looks delicious. <laughs> she used rice krispies for the head and the tail and um <laughs> so it's completely edible. She does a, a fabulous job at Harrington Florist and Cakery. Um and you know it takes her a little bit longer to do the the brown birds but if you if you had a white chicken she she'll work on any color pattern you you ask her for. She is really good at paying attention to detail. Plus, her kids are in my 4-H poultry project, so they won't let and anything but a less than a perfect chicken make it through their door. And apparently, her cakes um, have to meet the APA standard um, of perfection. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I will ask you this: um, I still have yet to this day seen a chocolate chicken the size that the ones that were at Coop Tastic a few years back. And I and I, I still think I probably could have got away with stealing one of them from one of the kids and and uh but you make them cry, Andy, come on. <laughs> I don't oh, think it would let you have that much sugar. Shame on you. <laughs> oh goodness yes, definitely. Oh my goodness. So uh yeah, so but anyway, continue please. Well, I, I don't have too much more to share with you, but one of the okay. other things that you can look at on the birds uh in addition to of course, you know, a bright red flopped over comb is is when you're starting to do the examinations for the handling quality, um like I said before, a bird that hasn't been laying very many eggs and has a tight abdomen it's gonna have a very small and pinched looking vent. Um, versus a bird that has been laying a lot of eggs can have a very large, moist-looking vent. Uh, and that's one of the things that my students uh, who are going to be starting out in Introduction to Poultry Science starting here at Delaware State University next week, one of their first labs will be taking a look at chickens um, and and selecting the good layers from the bad layers in our own university flock. 
and we get rid of the birds that aren't aren't making the grade so that we can make way for young birds to be purchased and and that is one of the very first labs that they do is is they they've already learned how to handle a chicken and so they they then learn how to um had to do this examination. They look at the bleaching. Uh, they look at the the abdominal capacity and the handling qualities, and and they make their assessment. And I help them, and I I back up whatever their decision is, or or turn it into a teaching moment if somebody's just you know didn't get quite what I was trying to tell them. And so one by one, everybody's got to go catch a chicken, and everybody's got to bring it outside, make the measurements, make a decision, and of course. You know, in the same time, sometimes they found birds that, um, you know, maybe had bumblefoot or, um, you know, they birds that were maybe had a tumor and they they weren't, you know, they weren't having a good quality of life. So we just we call those birds. And so that's a a great hands-on activity that'll be taking place in our class shortly. Um, so those are those are a couple of things that you need to consider is first, pigment loss, second, handling qualities, third, abdominal capacity, and fourth, molting. And then of course anything else like, you know, are they an egg eater, do they have bumblefoot, something like that. And, you know, should they stay in your flock? If you have to make those decisions, um, then definitely use these criteria when selecting your good layers from your bad layers. So, so how many of them, when you pick those ones out that are the unlucky ones and need to be called, how many students do you have? Uh, oh, or we can't do this, or oh, it's so cute, or can I just keep this one, or does that ever happen? No. <laughs> okay. Number one, it's usually hot, and they don't want to be there sweating in a chicken coop, in a dusty old chicken coop. So, and and this year we have about twenty students. So there's going to be 20 kids running around trying to catch chickens in there, and the chickens are going to be like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? Get these kids out of here. Yeah, so there you have it. Um, there is an That's upcoming so event I wanted to share with you, Andy. I forgot to mention okay, this at great. the beginning. Um, this weekend, August 22nd, Saturday, August 22nd, here in Dover, Delaware, at Blue Hen Poultry and Farm Supply on 800 Rose Valley School Road here in Dover. I'm going to be having, um, I'm going to be there all day from 10 to 2, pretty much ask the expert yeah. questions and answers, and then we're going to do book signing, and then we're going to do um, a chicken keep, or keeping chickens presentation. So for those of you who have copies of Andy and my book and you need my signature, well, here's your opportunity. Otherwise, you can you can buy a book there, and I'll sign it for you. And if you've got questions, come and ask. I'm going to be just hanging out there and answering people's questions as they come in and, and ask them, and I'd love to come meet you all. And uh, during the downtime when there's not a long line, you will be um, knitting or crocheting or crocheting. making a sweater. Crocheting, okay, <laughs> there you go. I've got a project <laughs> to finish up, yeah. <laughs> There, there isn't usually a lot of downtime at that shop because, honestly, Andy, everything, they carry everything. They carry the chicken fountain. They carry mm -hmm. Love Nest. 
They've got the latest and greatest of, of whatever is out there for small flock owners. In addition, they carry all the biosecurity supplies for commercial guys and for small flock guys. This shop awesome. is so on top of it that I am really proud to be working with them this weekend. They are paying close attention to what people need to successfully keep their small flocks and successfully raise large-scale commercial poultry flocks as well. So they do a nice job of complementing both. That's awesome. It's good that they see that uh, there is a growing movement of backyard keepers and they need to be catered to as well. Yeah, they even have a really good foot bath. It's a like a self-contained foam pad where you just mix up your disinfectant and pour it into the, the foam center. And then when you walk across it, the foam um, shoots up into your shoe tread. And so your shoes totally get um, doused with whatever disinfectant it is you're using as a foot bath. And that way... You just rinse that out on a weekly basis and put fresh disinfectant in rather than trying to mix the foot bath up. Um, as I have explained from time to time on your show, Andy, with like, say, a cat litter pan or a masonry tray, this thing is is good to go. And it's 50 bucks, totally worth it as far as my time is concerned. And that's what I'll be putting out at my house for my 4-H meetings once we get started in October after our introductory 4-H poultry meetings. Unfortunately, this year, Andy, we won't have any kids bringing birds to the 4-H meetings, mm -hmm. but we're going to have all kinds of activities like avian bowl, poultry judging contest, and chicken barbecue contest to keep our kids still learning all the wonderful things there are about keeping chickens in all its different forms. Cool. I still want to know where they're hiding that big 10-foot frying pan. <laughs> I know where it is. <laughs> oh, All you have man. to do is come to Delaware. I'll tell you where to find it. <laughs> is it in storage? Because the, 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 they're not doing the event anymore. So no, it's just but the, somewhere. The, fry pan, the fry pan is still being used. It's just being used it at is. different events. Yes. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Okay. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we look forward to having you back the uh, first Thursday of uh, September, which won't be here a couple of weeks away. So God, I can't believe it's September. What is there, like uh, uh, 20, 20 shopping weekends till Christmas or something like that? <laughs> that means I have a lot of embroidery and knitting and crochet to get done. <laughs> Don't remind me. Oh, me. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Andy. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Did, did I just say the magic word? What? How many more uh, shopping weekends until uh, Christmas?
family to yours. Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. We do appreciate it. This will be our last show of the week. So please do enjoy your weekend and enjoy it with family and friends. And we'll see you back here Monday uh, at noon, this coming Monday at noon, with another great episode of Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. So thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com and chickenwhisperermagazine.com. And uh, enjoy your weekend. God bless everybody. Uh.